All right. Uh, welcome to another uh, episode of the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, this is actually episode 76. Um, crazy to think we're up to that many episodes. Um, great guest for you today. We have Dylan Spadaccini, uh, former vaulter, um, now owns his own strength and conditioning company. We're going to talk about going through these times as a small business owner, especially in the fitness industry with uh, gyms being closed down. Plus, talk about pole vault and strength and conditioning and just we'll see where the conversation goes. Uh, but you're going to like this episode. And, you know, big thanks to the, for Dylan for joining the podcast. All right. So here we have Dylan Spadaccini. Thank you again for joining the podcast. Uh, so glad you could do this. Um, very, very crazy times for everybody. Um, but part of the reason I want to have you on, you know, you like me are a small business owner, you have a strength and conditioning gym, um, and kind of wanted to talk about how to deal with this time, you know, right now, you know, like wh what are you doing with your business? But before we even get to that, maybe give everybody a little bit of background. Cause you know, you, you pole vaulted, did the decathlon in college. Um, how, how did that all evolve? And then how did, how did you end up as a strength and conditioning coach? Like, you know, why didn't you end up as a track coach? You know, like what, you know, how, how did that all evolve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you no know, problem. having me on the show, but, um, yeah. So basically I started out, I was a, I was a pole vaulter hurdler in high school and okay. ended up winning, you know, toot my own horn a little bit, ended up winning the meet of champs in the pole vault nice. my senior year. And then that kind of propelled me into the whole, you know, I didn't think I was going to be nearly what I was in college, mm -hmm. but you know, that started, started the recruiting process. Um, and I ended up doing the decathlon at East Carolina. Okay. Um, uh, simply because, you know, I had the hurdle background. I was, I was a decent pole vaulter. I had some speed behind me and, and, I had all these different things in my well, resume. Before, before you continue, what what did, what did you jump in high school? Because I think sometimes even like, you know, like you're saying you're a decent pole vaulter. I feel like people don't understand because East Carolina, what division were they? They were D1. D1. So it's like people don't understand that sometimes. Like I think they hear someone jump 18 in D1, but they're like, ah, but like you don't have to jump that high. Like what, what did you jump in high school and why did you end up transitioning to decathlon? So I jumped 14-6 in high school. Which is um, awesome, but not really D one, right? Exactly, exactly. I yeah. mean, I was I was definitely no sixteen foot jumper right. at all. I mean, sixteen, I would say, is kind of the like if you're if you're a consistent sixteen foot jumper, you're probably good enough to get in D one to some degree. Right? Yeah, but, like uh, you could you could at least compete at conference at most conferences, even the bigger ones, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, um, yeah. So I had I was I was. My school was very focused on, you know, an explosive and powerful style of training. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they kind of had a, once I did my recruiting visit, they were like, so tell me about the weight room. Tell me what you do in the weight room. And I was like, right. well, you know, and, and at that point I was, I was, I was doing power cleans. I was doing snatches. I was doing decent weight under the bar, um, mm -hmm. squatting. So, you know, when I came into my visit, I had, I had all these numbers for them. They were like, well, that's awesome because that's exactly the type of program that we teach okay so and i mean i was pretty raw when i came into college like i was pretty much like my first week my freshman year they were like all right well we're gonna teach you how to run because you don't really know how to do that right right <laughs> but, but uh you know it was basically a very developmental first year mm -hmm. and then after that i just kind of found my stride and and 
just kept adding on numbers on my decathlon every single year. Awesome. So, it, is it, isn't it amazing though? At like, like, look, I, I one time listened to a podcast with Ryan Flaherty and he said, you know, other than water sports, right? Like every sport you need to run and so few sports teach running. But I think the biggest sin of all is like we're in track and field, which is running. And yet so many kids go through high school, not really learning how to run properly. Oh yeah. It's crazy. I mean, and, and once I started, I mean, we'll get to this a little later, but I, you know, when I started coaching track at, at a high school, I was like, we got to go back to basics. Like, right. and, and it's something that I never really learned in high school. So I wanted to kind of take all the information that I learned in college and, and, you know, sports and all this mm-hmm. and take it back to the high school. Because then once these kids actually do end up getting to college, if they decide to go, you know, take it to the next level, they'll at least be in a better position than I was when I, when I started. And, and they'll have that, that foundation. I, I almost like, and, and and I'm sure we're going to get into some nitty gritty of training, but like for me, I almost feel like at the high school level, and unfortunately, I think sometimes even at the collegiate level, people are quick to try to give almost elite level training as far as how many meters you run in practice and how many repeats of this and that, but they're not realizing, okay, it's like the quality has to be there too, right? Like you can't just have someone run, let's say repeat 300s, but it's like, about 150 meters into it, their running looks like shit, and then everything yeah. just breaks down, and it's not quality. It's the same thing like in the weight room. Like, you wouldn't just throw on weight if someone's squat looked terrible. Like, their knees are caving in, and, the, yeah. you know, the, their back is not supporting the weight. It's like, you know, one, the person's not going to be able to do more weight than that ever. And then, two, it's like, they're probably going to get hurt. And the same thing happens on the track, you know? I mean, that's that's why oh, I yeah. feel like there's so many shin splints, you know what I mean? Yeah. You see it all the time. I mean, and the thing about it, and, and I think where the, where the disconnect is between college mm-hmm. and high school is like in high school, you're, you're very short for time, right? right? Like you only have, let's say you have a basketball player that decides to come out for spring track. Right. You only have three months to kind of figure out what this guy's about and how to, you know, you assess his functional movement and then like you finally get him doing the right things. And then it's like, oh, we only have a month left. Like, right. So it's it's tough, but whereas college, you can start in the summer or the fall and then train right. all the way through. Like you have so much more time, and you know, high school coaches, especially when you're working with high school athletes, you got to kind of figure out that you got to bridge the gap between like take the time and focus on the the mechanics and the foundations and and build up that, but you got to kind of speed the process up a little bit, you know, because it's tough. Well, and, and you know what I always – it's something that I say at the club all the time to athletes and, and even m- my coaches is the slower you go, the faster you get there. I know something oh, like yeah. you're saying. You get that month and a half, three months with an athlete sometimes in spring and it's like you're like, oh my god. I got to get this kid to a full approach you know, in the high jump or the long jump or the pole vault and it's like – no, 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 you, you could, if you, especially if you have a good athlete, let's say you, like in the example you give, you get this kid who is a basketball player who is dunking, right? Like he has that athletic yeah. ability. It's like, no, that, that kid could probably high jump or long jump something from a very short approach that is going to be very, very competitive and maybe better than what they would do from a full approach because they don't know how to run a good approach. They don't know how to progressively yeah. accelerate down the runway. Maybe their running mechanics are wretched, you know what I mean? Because they're not a track athlete. You know, it's like, 
I almost, I, I wish more people would have the mentality. It's like, okay, I don't have a lot of time, but let me do it the right way. And I might actually get further. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than no, just, 100%. yeah, because then you know what ends up happening with a lot of these athletes and I see it, they might even have some amazing mark, but it only happens once. And then they're yep. very subpar. Like you might see that basketball player, player, maybe one meet, you know, hits a six, eight high jump, but the rest of the season, they're going six, two. Which is like a huge gap. You know what I mean? It's like, well, how did this guy go six eight and not go like six six every single meet? You know what I mean? It's like, well, because the the they don't know how to run a J. They don't their approach is too long and they end up stuttering a lot, you know? It's like these are things that, you know, especially in the more technical events, it's like you can kind of take the time to break down and get better results from something shorter, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and that's kind of that's why I like to have all of my vaulters. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody long jumps. They all yeah they kind of start there, right? Like we get because right. obviously you, you got to have the run, you got to have the approach, you got to work the penultimate. Hundred so percent. Yeah. Once we get the kids down and and feeling confident on that, that's the point where. So if we have a group of like, let's say, I mean, this is like we did it for a couple weeks here, and now we're now we're done. But like we had a group of maybe. 15 kids mm-hmm. right and we're all on the runway we're all on the right. uh, the long jump yeah uh, runway and we're just focusing on the last two steps we're focusing on driving up getting some air getting some hang time yeah and you know once once we see you know where everybody's at we're like okay what we would have done is okay now we're going to give you a slide box and we're going to show you how to drop the pole we're going to show you how to plant Mm-hmm. And then just do the same run, do the same, do the same approach, work the last two steps and just put your hands up and see, you know, see how it looks. When, when right? I was, That's- when I was on a, a track facility, cause I obviously at the club, I don't, I don't have a long jump pit, but, um, uh, what I like to do even is a nice transition even before the slide box is you get that long jump stuff going. They're developing that penultimate. Like you said, they got that long short, they jump up. It looks good. Now you can even add the pole on the long jump runway because sometimes like planting into the sand to get the mechanics of the plant, right? Where they have a bigger window or a margin for error. Cause they have the whole sand pit. It's like, that's a nice thing. And then transition to the box. I always like that too. Cause they would really jump up sometimes like, you know, sometimes with a box, now all of a sudden they're not running. I, I even see it on the runway. It's like I'll see kids do stuff with, um, let's say, an overhead carry, like a beginner, where they don't have to plant. And they, their run stride looks great. They're jumping up. Now you make them plant, and almost like you see almost like a 50% drop off in speed. You know what I mean? Because yeah. now they're trying to figure out this plant thing, you know? Yeah. So that, that's what I liked about the sand pit because it gave that margin for error, you know? Yeah, but no, that, that's an awesome progression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I mean, you just kind of go from there. But as far as training for the vault, like, I mean, I, you 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 know agree with me or disagree? But like, <laughs> I feel like the 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 run and the penultimate is just the whole. It's the foundation of the jump. No, hundred percent. If your run is off, the jump's gonna be bad. Right. So you gotta just push, 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 and keep working the run, and then you know. Especially in the high school level, you can work. You can work an athlete and, and get their plant to to work for them, right? right? Like this is the this is the speeding up the process that I was saying, right? right. So you, like you kind of give them the you give them a little more focus on the run, and then once you get that plant down, things will start to come together, right? No, and, and hopefully by then you have enough time to <laughs> start jumping high bars, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you know what I I think is funny. I like I totally agree with you. I think the run and takeoff are so important. And 
I, I, a couple things. One, I find it almost laughable when I see coaches who clearly have not done any work on like the penultimate or jumping up or because like what I, I feel is, is key. And like even in your process, we do something similar at the club. It's like you take the pole out of their hands and just teach them how to jump. Right. Like if you don't know how to jump, you're not going to learn how to jump with a pole in your hands. You know what I mean? That well, it's going to take a lot longer. Right. So it's like some of these coaches, you can tell they have not taught someone how to jump. And now they're at a meet barking at a kid to jump up. And it's like, you haven't taught them the skill. You know what I mean? Like if you don't know the skill, how are you going to do it? You know, it's like, it's like telling like a fighter to throw an uppercut, but you never taught them how to uppercut. Like just, ignore that you can't tell them to throw an uppercut because you didn't teach them that you know and and so it's like breaking it down like that i think is super important the other thing and i'll use like mondo duplantis as the example you know the guy just broke the world record twice awesome shocker a lot of people think he has a good jump thanks i mean you can't have a shit jump and break the world record you know what i mean like he's got to be doing something right you know but but what i love is like Going back to what you're saying, how the run and the takeover, the foundation, it's like everybody is looking from takeoff on and trying to see what magical thing Mondo does on the pole to jump that high. And they're forgetting this is a kid that as a high school senior ran a 10-4-8 in the 100 meters. Like exactly. his runway and, and, and runway. yeah, I mean, come on. Like this is the foundation. It's like, look, even if you could like – a hundred percent copy what Mondo does off the ground. That doesn't mean you're jumping 20 feet. That might not even mean that you PR because what you probably need to do if you've been vaulting a long time is you probably have some solid technical foundation on the pole and you know what you're doing there. What's going to get you to PR is the runway. It is getting faster and stronger. And it's like, I feel like people ignore that. They, they want, I feel like people are always looking for a magic trick, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like a quick, a quick fix that's going to make them jump two feet higher. But like exactly like you said, like if people are trying to analyze, you know, from his from his takeoff to to clearance, right? If you did the same thing with the with the beginning of his run, and then you pause that video mm-hmm. at his at his plant where his hands are above his head, right? If you can replicate that, right? You're gonna you're gonna surprise yourself. Like you'll you'll get you'll get way in. You'll get way deeper in the into the pit, and you'll you'll be it'll be a better jump. Right. Well, and, and, you know, and again, like I, I tend to look at the numbers and, and I, you know what, like, I think the strength and conditioning world is so amazing because when you start to look at the pole vault through a strength and conditioning lens, instead of, I I would even say a physics lens, like obviously there's physics, but like, like look at it through the strength and conditioning lens. If you start to look at grip, pole stiffness, where you're running from the runway, right. As resistance, right. Like the closer your approach is, the smaller your strides need to be, the easier that is to accomplish. The further your approach is, the bigger your strides have to be. Obviously, the stronger and faster you have to be. Like, yeah. that's one of the things. Like, yeah, if you could run from where Mondo runs from, hit his mid mark, and take off from where he takes off, there you go. The problem with that is you have to get faster. You know what I mean? It's like I, I remember yep. talking to someone about the 100 meters and I'm like, listen, I, I think the number was like the average Olympic male sprinter takes something like 45 strides in the 100 meters. Yeah. Usain Bolt takes 41. So yeah. it's like at and that reason. I mean, that's that's physics. Like, you've right. got, 
his stride length, his stride frequency is just better than everybody else's. Right. right. And so it's like, that's the thing that I feel like people neglect. And, and I think one of the things, and uh, look, I'm, I, you said the words agree or disagree. I, I would assume that you would agree with me with this, but it's like, look, you can get more explosive, but there comes a point where it's like, it's hard to push that number. And that percentage goes up at a small amount. The thing is, if oh, yeah. you could increase your strength and maximal strength, like right, a one rep max, that is going to help you like really, really, really like open up that stride. Like I, I always think about it. It's like, if you can increase your power to weight ratio in, in a lower body lift, whether it's some variation of squat or deadlift. And, um, I know a lot of people love the trap bar deadlift, which I, to be honest, like we're starting to use it more than we ever have in, in, in the last uh, a few years. Uh, yeah. but like, you know, it's like, you will be able to put more force in the ground. You'll be able to take bigger strides because your stride frequency. Yes. Can it get better? But by how much and most athletes. And again, I don't know what you think. I think when they're coming from high school and I get them in high school, but like even at the college level, they're coming in, those strength numbers can be way better. I mean, how many people do you think are really graduating high school and going to college, especially in the pole vault community, Dylan? I think it's different when we look at 100 meters or something like that. But in the pole vault community, that could maybe squat double their body weight. I, yeah, I don't think that I number mean, is very high, you know? No, it's very rare. And, yeah. and that's what you work on. Like It's it's almost like once you finish high school and you, you, you get through jumping with – what you whatever you've gotten by you know your your technique and your strength yeah you're like natural ability levels almost really focus on it now right like let's really get for it yeah yeah i because what what like i mean going back to your personal career like when you entered college i mean could you tell us some of your strength numbers like going in and where you finished and what that did to your like pole vaulting as an example oh yeah um I'm pretty sure if I think back, like I think I was squatting, I don't even know, to be honest, maybe like 305. Okay. Something like that. And was that like a a full squat, like free squat? No, no, definitely not. Your your high school weight room, you're like, you know, you get a half, half the way down and you come back up, you're like, man, I squatted 305. Right. But, you know, when I got to college, I was squatting. 405 full depth wow yeah big jumps and then like power cleans especially was a big one like i was probably power cleaning to 225 okay you know and then leaving you know senior year of college i was i was cleaning 300 you know yeah so you just you just keep adding weight and And i mean the bench doesn't have much carryover it has a little bit but you know, I was benching probably 245, ended up benching 315 after college. Yeah, so, yeah. And so, and then what, and what happened to your pole vault? So you, you went, you went into college 14.6, where, where did you finish? So I ended up jumping 15.7. So yeah. No. A little bit of an improvement, but when you add nine, I, mean, I, I think that's <laughs> a lot bit of improvement. And like, yeah, like you said, you were in the decathlon. Yeah. So, you know, I ended up, and it, what was nice is I didn't just jump 15.7 at, a meet where I was in the open mall. I was jumping that in the multi. So, right. You know, thinking back, I mean, my hindsight's twenty twenty, but like going back, hopefully, maybe I could have gotten over sixteen, maybe sixteen six, something like that. Sure. But, uh, yeah. No regrets, though. No regrets. Yeah. Well, so so now you know how do you how do you transition from being a track athlete in college and now you're a strength and conditioning coach? Like, how how did that happen? 
So, so our weight room was, was awesome. We, that was one of my favorite things about being an athlete was going to the weight room and kind of picking everybody's brain. And I had the, I had the uh, opportunity to work under one of the, uh, in my opinion, one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country for, for college. His name is Jeff Connors. Okay. Uh, and you know, from there I, I was, it's kind of funny. I changed my major a few times. I was an athletic training major. Then I was a phys ed major. Then I decided like, look, I'm kind of going for the same industry, but why don't I just go for exercise science? Okay. So I ended up doing an exercise science and business degree. Okay. Uh, and cause I knew I was like, I want to work with, I want to work with athletes. I want to be in the strength conditioning field. So, you know, once I, once I graduated, I took a role, I took a role at a sports performance facility. Okay. Where I was, where I was training athletes in speed and agility. And I was working with a couple of, you know, guys training for the combine. So I was doing 40 yard dash stuff. And actually one of my, one of our biggest projects that we worked with was, uh, a guy by the name of Terry Williams. And, you know, he went, came from a D3 school. Mm -hmm. He was a running, running back, D3 school. And he ended up, just crazy speed he was such a but he's such a raw athlete like he he didn't know what he was doing very you know very well right. he, he didn't know how to set up in these positions so once we like could i just down, can i stop you for one second i yeah. i don't think enough people like when you say that he was a raw athlete but had this freak speed like i know exactly what you're talking about because i've seen it and i've even seen it on the pole vault uh runway but it's yeah. like I don't think enough people appreciate the fact that there are some people out there that could be doing so many things wrong, even just with running, and still be so fast. And you oh, know yeah. – like as a coach, you're watching. You're like drooling. You're like, oh my god. If I get yeah. like two weeks with this person, like what could happen, you know? Yeah. If you change one thing, how different would it be, you know? Right. Yeah. So – but yeah, this guy was just a freak athlete. So we ended up taking him – he was probably running like a four – I mean, he was fast before we worked with him. He was running like a four four, right? Okay. When we were when we were done working with him, he went to the uh, he did a regional combine. So because he obviously D three, he didn't really yeah, have much yeah. of a pro day anything like that. So he went to uh, a regional combine and ran a four two. Wow! Yeah, like, that's that's that. I, and I, again, I think in the pole community, a lot of people don't realize like point two off of a forty or even a sixty meters. You know what I'm saying? Is huge. That's tr- tremendous, tremendous. You yeah. know. So, but yeah. So now he's in the he's in the CFL and he's he's killing it. So awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you, you know. And and again, maybe you can speak of this more. But I can hear it even just the way you describe it. It's like that's 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 why people coach. We want to help people reach their dreams, you know what I mean? And, and help them get to that next level. Cause a lot of people can get to a certain place kind of unassisted, you know what I mean? But what we're trying to do is like, take them beyond that, take them to places where they never thought it was possible. You know what I mean? And I feel like part of that journey of coaching is teaching people that if you can be disciplined, if you can figure out that thing that you thought you could never figure out, because, because I see it sometimes you're working with an athlete and they're like, I'm never going to get this. And it's like, you can't be there. You can't give up, yeah. and especially during a, a difficult time that we're going through with, with coronavirus. Even I, I was talking to one of my athletes and um, he's already like he's in, in grad courses and, uh, you know, he he works full time. And um, 
I say, you know, the, the bigger thing that we're doing through coaching and through sport, you know, I mean, I love to win and obviously I like coaching people who jump high, but it's like the bigger thing across the board, I don't care what level you're at, is knowing that you teach people how to push themselves past whatever they think is possible so that when there are tough times in life, you know, it's like, you know what? I, I, I've had a taste of this before. I can make it through this, you know? And I think that's, that's huge, you know? And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, Dylan, like talking to you on the phone. I've had several phone calls this week from pole vault coaches around the country. And, you know, a, a lot of people are like shitting their pants, you know? And yeah, yeah. the thing is like, I can hear it in your voice. You sound fine. This, like you almost like, if you listen to this podcast and, don't hear about the coronavirus and short snippets, you would think this is like a normal day. And the thing is like when you've pushed yourself and you've grinded through something, you know, you have that ability in you to make it through tough times. And I think, I I think that's, that's so huge, you know? Absolutely. And you know, I mean, like, so the coronavirus is an absolutely like tragic thing for athletes, right? Yeah. There's so many crazy things going on in this sport and, and, when we look back, you know, let's say 10 years into the future, when, when we look back, even five years into the future, right. these, these fifth year, these fifth year seniors are going to just, they're going to remember 2020. They're going to remember right. their, their senior year of high school. They're going to remember their right. junior year of high school where it's just going to have a star next to it because right. it's just kind of been mixed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I hope, I, I'm hoping like with high school athletes, they get a chance to compete this year, right? Like who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But, if we can end up doing something, it's better than nothing. But, you know, I really, I really, my heart goes out to all those seniors out there that are just kind of, yeah. because if it happened to me, right. I, I, when I mentioned, like when I, when I won the meet of champs, it was February of my senior year. Right. And I was unknown before then. I, I, right. I was jumping consistently. I was jumping 13, six, mm-hmm. I popped a 14, six out there and recruiter, recruiters started coming to me. Right. Right. But but if my senior year was canceled, who knows where I'd be right now? Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, my really my advice to all these seniors would just be focus on what you can control and, you know, keep reaching out to recruiters, keep reaching out, fill out those recruiter questionnaires and just tell them what you're doing. Otherwise, like you can't compete. So what are you doing? Are you are you studying the event? Are you focusing on speed? Are you focusing on bounding? Are you focusing on your weight room numbers? Are you, you know, give them as much information as you can, because I know from a, from a high school coach perspective, I would want to see my kids doing something rather than nothing. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and I think also, you know, kind of even going back to that mentality of being tough and, and learning to push through and grind and figure it out. You know, what I'm like super proud of, you know, is uh, I would say most of my athletes, you know, they're they're not freaking out. Like when I when they reach out, they're like they know they know the deal. One, like I posted a lot of at home workouts that one of my other coaches, Calvin, created. And, you know, kids are doing that. They're, they're texting me videos. I was going to post today videos of stuff that people are doing at home. And they're focusing on the things that they can do and, and planning for tomorrow. Meaning like, look, like if we don't end up having, you know, a spring season, which I, you know, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I, I just feel more and more that that's the reality of the situation. You know, I mean, yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about the NBA maybe starting the playoffs in September. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, look at, look at 
at the NCAA. I mean, they're right. They're done. Right, right. So it's like, but here's the thing. Like, even like for, let's say that kid that would have popped that 14, 6, 15 foot bar had they had spring. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say the following. There are still schools that would love to have you. If you're still that guy that only jumped 13, 13, 6 so far, or you're that girl that jumped 9, 6, 10 so far, and you do want to yeah. jump in college and you do want to compete and, you know, you'd like to be with a good program. I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm not trying to recruit over the podcast, but it's like I coach at Rampo College. We're D3. We would love to have yeah. any of those people. You know what I mean? Like anybody yeah. who's looking for a home and they they want to want to jump 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 and jump in college. And the people who jump over, jump with me. You know, like they have a club, yeah. indoor facility. They have access to over 200 poles. You know, I feel like I'm a nice yeah. guy. You know, like whatever. So, <laughs> but but you know, it's like so you could figure it out. You know, I think the the thing is sometimes we tend to sit and dwell on like what could have been, and we waste time. It's like. Listen, like you can't you can't worry about that. I mean, I, I even I spoke to a, a pole coach earlier in the week, and I was like, look, like you know, he was kind of like, ah, I don't know, and and maybe we it, this could be a good pivot and 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 start this conversation about how we're dealing being small business owners right now. And you know, the coach was like, well, well, like I had people who just signed up for a seasonal package, like I, I you know, I don't think I can close. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're gonna close. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying to be negative, but you're going to close. Like, and whether you close today or you close next week, does it matter? Those kids still didn't get a full season of training. So what are you going right. to do? You know what I mean? And, and to me, I mean, the longer we're going through this, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't know what your opinion is, Dylan, but it's like, you know, I feel like the socially responsible thing to do is, you know, try to stay inside. Don't, don't go outside. Don't, don't go out in public and, and spread this. Cause especially with the community, the demographic that we work with, young, healthy athletes, they could be carriers and not even know. You know what I mean? And that's the thought that always goes through my mind. It's like, God forbid I got someone sick who then got a family member sick. I mean, you know, I don't know if you watched CNN last night, but they talked about the family that was in Freehold, New Jersey. They're, they're from our state. I mean, they lost four family members, you know, already, you know, and that, and they have more that have tested positive, you know? So it's like the thing that I feel like is like right now, it's like, listen, let's just face facts. Fine. You could try to like sneak in a practice with three kids or something like that at your facility, but it's like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? No. You know what it's I mean? Definitely. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it is. And, and that's the thing about it. Like, it's socially responsible to just shut it down for a, at least for a little while. See what right. you know. See what the future brings, and you know we're hoping. I mean, it's you know not only just from the coaching standpoint, but like you know with my clients that are you know general population, we're shutting it down. Like I mean, obviously we can't work out, but you know what, this is kind of the transition here. But like what I'm doing now is that all the online stuff you have to just be as present as you can online. Right. Put out as much content as you can and, and make it, make yourself available to your clients. I mean, that's yeah. really at this point in time, this is really all we can do is just, just yeah. be there and, yeah. and put things out and get people moving from home. And, and, you know? and you know what, Dylan, it was so funny yesterday. I had a moment where I, I don't know what life is like for you, but I feel like I'm always, I'm a, I'm a workaholic, right? Like I just, I got to always be doing something. I'm always coaching. I mean, once indoors hits, like I have from New Year's on, I might have one or two days off, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I'm just constantly grinding. And I literally had a moment yesterday where I was like, oh my God, this is, 
like I feel like I have a lot of energy because it's like I'm not just grinding this week. You know, like this is what it must feel like to be on vacation, you know? And the thing is like maybe some people who have been so busy coaching that they don't have a huge presence on Instagram or YouTube or on their website or whatever. Maybe you've had those ideas of like, posting videos or connecting with your clients virtually, but you've always been too busy to go down that route. Now you have time to experiment with that stuff. I think that's, that's where it's like, now you can get creative and start being like, okay, how can I help my clients? How can I help them in a scenario like this? And I mean, that, that's why like, it was literally like, Tuesday, I did the podcast with Calvin. Wednesday, I, I posted the the YouTube video that you know he took the videos. I edited it up, and you know, hey guys, here's what you could do at home. And the thing is, we did like with minimal equipment. You know what I mean? Like because it's like you don't know people's situations. I mean, look, if you're blessed to have a, a at home gym, awesome. You can keep doing the normal training we've been doing. If you don't this is something that we could do. And I know even I got a DM yesterday from one of my athletes where he's like, man, I'm just, I'm worried that, you know, once this is over, I'm not going to be as fast and as strong as I used to be, you know, and I'm going to fall behind. I'm like, look, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's in the same boat. And I'm telling you for athletes who are out there, if you're training at home and you're grinding every day, you're going to come out of this much better than a lot of other people. Cause Dylan, I'm sure you could think back to when you were in college. Think about the teammates that you had. Maybe you were a grinder. Maybe you would have been doing that stuff at home. But how many of your teammates you think would just be eating chips and playing Call of oh, Duty? Tons. I mean, a lot of them. But you know, it's like it's like you go back for Christmas break, and they would always say our coach would be like, "All right, we're going to see you in three weeks. Make sure you do something." Like they gave us the program. Yeah. And, you know, you get, you get guys that would come back. They're out of breath on the first workout. They're just, right. did, and they're like, the coach would be like, all right, so did you really run? They're like, no. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But it happens. It happens everywhere. But yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You got to grind. You got to do what you can and think outside the box, you know? Right. I can, I can say firsthand that, like, just like you said, I was the, the past couple of days I've been quarantined here and not really able to do anything. I'm, I'm working from home. Right. I'm just, I'm writing programs for my website. I'm putting up different things on Instagram. I'm trying to get the my online store going a little more and, and just doing anything that I can. Right. Yeah. So so let me ask you this. Like as as a small business owner, I mean what what are some of your concerns? Um honestly the one the one one of the things that, that kinda needs to be figured out is what do you do with the people that have already paid, right? Like the, the people that are, are providing, you're providing a service for, they pay monthly, they pay, you know, session based. And do you charge for online PT, right? Like I'm doing FaceTime, FaceTime trainings, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, do you charge them the full amount? Is this for a session? You right. know what I mean? Like it's kind of like a weird and, and honestly you want to do right by everybody because you're not giving them the full service that they're paying for right? right like they're paying to be in a gym they're paying to be face-to-face and train with you sure yeah so you got to kind of figure out where that you know what what the even ground is there yeah so yeah i i, I mean i i think you know what i what i've been telling people is like look like because i'm be honest i had people that gave me checks like last week for the spring season 
never put those in the bank. And I'm not going to until we're through this. You know what I mean? And seeing what people want to do, you know, I know people have asked me about, you know, the spring season who, who did pay earlier than that. And I'm like, look, like obviously I'll roll over any sessions, you know? So like whenever we're through with this and we get back to training, I'll just roll it over. Um, obviously if, if someone, you know, did need the money back, I would get, I would give them the money back, you know, as long as I, I have money to give back, you know, obviously the longer this goes, you know, there's, there's things that are up in the air. I mean, I think also, you know, what I've been telling people is like, look, most people have a facility. It's, you know, paying that rent check, you know, for the facility. Yeah. Keep, keep the lights on. Yeah. And I mean, my, this is my advice, you know, um, and I'm just gonna be upfront. I mean, I, I paid, I just sent a check out yesterday for rent for this past month, but come next month, I mean, if we're in the same situation, which it looks like we will be, I mean, I'm definitely going to send an email to my landlord and be like, yo, like, is there anything we could do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because yeah. like I'm paying rent to use your space. I'm not using it. And it's not yeah, like, it's almost like you gotta like put it on hold for, for a month or something. Right. Know, like- well, and, and think about it this way. I mean, it's not like, look, I, I feel for the landlords too. I, I think if you're, if you're a landlord, right? Like you own multiple properties, like the, these like warehouses, yep. I mean, you must be shitting your pants cause you don't know who's going to be able to even pay rent, you know? So they're, I, right. I, they're in a tough spot too. I think that's the thing that we all have to realize. Like everyone's in a tough spot. I mean, if the yep. airlines are worried about closing, which is a huge business where there was a CEO making lots of money, it's like. And that person's worried about going out of business. I mean, look, that I'm not saying it should be comforting, but you have to realize and not beat yourself up. Because I think as business owners, a lot of times, you know, you beat yourself up. You're like, oh, I, I should be doing better. I should be prepared. And it's like there was no way to be prepared for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like nobody n- could have planned this. No. Yeah. There, there's no one that's like, hey, listen, you should always prepare just in case that you have to be closed for six months and still pay rent. It's like, what? No, nobody would have said that to you, you know? Right. Um, yeah, they, they usually say the opposite. They're like, if you can if you can have, like, before you start, before you open your doors, be ready to, to you know, be ready for three months without any money. Right. right? Like, something like that. Right. But, you know, not the, not the opposite. You're open, you're good, you're making money, now you just imagine you stop. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's thing. And, and I think that, you know, I think a lot of the situations we're in just require communication. So it's like, you know, hit up your landlord, see what's going on. See one, see if they're okay. You know, I can't imagine what a landlord is going through right now. They they might be shitting their pants just as much as you, if not more. Right. And, um, you know, I think communicating with them and seeing what you could do there. The other thing is like, look, like I'm sure you've been seeing the stuff like, we're apparently going to be getting thousand dollar checks from the government. Plus, then there's a lot of yeah. small business programs that are that are starting to come out. And if you need assistance, you have to go through those routes. You just have to go through yeah. those routes and see what what the government can do for you. You know, they're talking about uh, it's something about small business loans, but uh, I, I there was something I, I honestly don't want to say it wrong. So it's like, but there's something about small business loans that they're going to be giving out, you know, to help the small businesses. So it's like these are things that people have to look into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, I, I think as a business owner, you just have to be realistic about that kind of stuff and know that everybody's going through it. And I think what you said too is making sure you're doing right by your clients. And I, exactly. I, th- I think that is huge. I think the people that are really there for their clients 
doing their best, not trying to do some scammy money grab right now. You know, um, those are the people that are going to have the clients that when you open the doors, they're going to come running back. I mean, I, and Dylan, I feel very fortunate. I mean, I've had clients that have hit me up and they're like, Hey, are you okay? Like, are you doing well? Do you need anything? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could like, I, I, I sometimes get emotional. I can get tears in my eyes just reading those texts sometimes because it's like, I'm so grateful that I have clients that care so much about the club, you know? And I mean, I think that's the huge thing. And that, that should be the message going out to all small business owners that if you are there for your clients and you do right by them, you're, I, I, to me, I feel like you're always going to be okay. You're always going to have some kind of support network that's going to be there for you, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. It's so true. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I guess to, to change the topic a little bit, but, um, you know, why, so Dylan, why, why did you go to the strength and conditioning route? I've, I've even, I know I've had conversations with you about kind of like club coaching for pole vault. Like, why did you go to the strength and conditioning route a- instead of sticking with track? So, you know, I found that, that my, and, and don't get me wrong. I loved competing. I loved, I loved the entire, you know, realm of, of track and field. But one of my favorite things about it was the process, right? Like was training and laying a brick every day and mm. watching, watching not just myself, but my teammates just get better together. Right. So when I looked at what I wanted to do in a career, I thought about coaching track collegially for a while. And, and I did want to do that. But, you know, as I started working, I did my internship in the weight room uh, of East Carolina and, you know, I had a couple couple side jobs in a, in a gym when I was in school. So, you know, I really I really enjoyed the the strength conditioning aspect of it a mm-hmm. little. I guess at the time a little more than the the track and field technique aspect. Right. So, you know, I I decided to take that route. And then, as I was working in the sports performance field, I I decided like, you know, maybe I I do enjoy the business side of this a lot too. I like the, I like the sales. I like the marketing. I like the kind of getting your brand out there type thing. So I I think even like the the way you just said it too, it's like the thing that, that I know led me to, to form, you know, apex as a business was you get to create your own culture. You get, you get to, you get to call the shots. Whereas like, I feel like, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, like I remember a a, a D1 strength coach telling me, he's like, Bronco, listen, he goes, you know, those speed agility ladders. I go, yeah. He goes, you know, that's like kind of a waste of time, right? He goes, (laughs) he goes, but if the tennis coach wants you to do it, you got to do it. He goes, Hey, I want to do power cleans, but the baseball coach doesn't want me to. I got to take it out. He's like, do you want to keep your job or do you want to get into a fight with a head coach that has more clout at your school? And I was like, whoa, he makes a good point. And even even just coaching pole vault and you know – listen, I'm sure I don't have to tell you. But I know when I've worked with certain head coaches over the years, you know, and I'm grateful. I've had a lot of good head coaches, you know. But it's like I remember at one point early in my career, you know, coaching and the pole vaulters started jumping higher. Almost like my head coach that wanted to take control of the pole vaulters. It's like yeah. it's almost like the better job you do, the the less control they want to give you. You know what I mean? 
Like I almost felt like if I had coached the 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 girls pole vaulters and they all just jumped like eight six nine, they, they I would have been left alone. But as soon as someone started jumping eleven plus, it's like, hey, we got to manage this situation. It's like, wait, you guys didn't know how to get them to eleven, and now you want to control it? Give me a break. Yeah, no, that's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no. So that's that's kind of the route I took, and I decided, you know, the business side and the building my own brand was was something that I could do and in my control. And, you know, I love it. It's great. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I mean, for me, I mean, obviously we're both small business owners, so I can't agree more <laughs> with what you're saying. Um, so let me, let me ask a, 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 another question and about this difference between track and strength and conditioning. Um, how, how do you, do you feel that the track world is like up to par with the rest of the sports world as far as strength and conditioning is, or do you feel like there there is a gap there? And and specifically for me, when I think about this question, I think about it almost pole vault specific because you know, just what, what do you think? Um, I think there I think there is a gap, but but it's not as bad as you think. Like I would, I mean, obviously every sport has a different needs analysis, right? You break right. down what a you know, what a wide receiver needs is a little different from what a long jumper needs, right? right? So, like, the the idea behind the training program is it could be the same, right? If you're, if you're looking at volume alone, right? right, specifically just volume, you could be doing the same amount of volume in the weight room as a, from a sprinter to a, to a running back or a, even, a, even a baseball outfielder, right? Right. Like, you could be training that in the weight room, but you, the need – of different movements right is different for everybody right right? like but at at the at the same time there are foundations there are there are core exercises that every single athlete should be doing right so So what do you you think those are i I, in my opinion i would say the power clean is is so important for for high school and college athletes to learn Mm -hmm. it just the explosiveness in the hips there's carryover to that in every single sport when you look at the when you look at the the biomechanics of everything right right the the hips are like the engine of a car they Mm -hmm. they help you they help you navigate they help you they help you accelerate they help you do every single movement essentially that you're going to do in a sport right so if you can work that explosiveness and that power in the hips you're going to be better off. Right. If you, if you only did power cleans, you're going to be better off. Right. But, you know, obviously you have the squat, you have the bench, you have the deadlift. So mm-hmm. if you're working all of those movements, you're going to be, you're going to be set up pretty nice. Right. And you, the way it's structured, you basically think about it. Like you can do, and this is getting into programming stuff, but yeah. like you split it, you, you do, you do a power clean day, then you do a uh, squat day, then you do a bench day, then you do a deadlift day. That's four days right there that you can structure an entire lifting program around those four exercises. Right. Right. And, you know, in my opinion, and, and this is kind of a, it, it depends on the trainer that you're talking to, but, you know, four days a week for a, for a high level athlete to be in the weight room, it's, it's fine. It should, it wouldn't overwork them. Now, obviously, that's off-season training stuff. Once you're in season, maybe cut that down to two or three days and, and right. lower that volume down and just maintain those numbers. But, you know, four days a week with an athlete and all of the programs that I offer uh, on my on my website, mm-hmm. they're 
they're four days a week. And, you know, what, what I do is I set them up for four weeks long and then you just kind of graduate to a different phase of the lift. Right, right, right. But, uh, but yeah, four days, four days a week is, is perfect. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, and again, I kind of look at things even more specific than track, just pole vault. And in the pole vault community, I, man, I can't, to be honest, I can't believe how many people are still just living off of like body weight stuff and like gymnastics. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it's like even some of the gymnastics stuff that people want to do, it's like, you need to have prerequisite strength to be able to do that. Now, some people have that naturally. Right. But other people are going to have to work to get there. Like not everyone can do a muscle up if they haven't even done pull-ups. You know what I mean? Yep. Exactly. And what, you know, it's funny, like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I mean, your, your club, I've seen you guys, you, you do definitely lift it and put some good numbers up, but I don't know where, I don't know where the, the reputation of pole vaulters not, not wanting to lift and not wanting to, do anything but vault. How, how did that happen? Like, where did that come from? So at least go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I no, mean, I, just, I was just going to say like the, the, in my experience, like the pole vaulters would just, they'd be come onto the track and I was, I was guilty of it too. When I was yeah. on my vault days, right. I was lazy, but yeah. I would, I, we, we'd come to the track, we'd throw our spikes on the mat and we'd do, you know, our two lap warm up and then just, just start jumping. Like we would do our, we would do our dynamics and then start jumping. And then that was it. We'd go, we'd leave. Right. But like, yeah. You know what the, the perfect, like, I mean, all these, all these Olympians, right. I'm sure Mondo's doing this stuff. Like he's doing everything that he can to jump as high as he possibly can. So weight room, stretching, even yoga, like anything, do everything and anything that you can do to jump higher. Right. So you know? I, I, I think there's a couple things there. I think that one, um, uh, did you go to a pole vaulting club when you were in high school or no? Um, I did. I went to vertical salt. Okay. Awesome. And so you, you were there when Mike Lorick was there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and first of all, Mike is a wizard. I, uh, to me, he's the man. Yeah. I, I think, uh, listen, if he's, you know, not the best, he's like maybe top three in America. And I'm really, I, I just, I'm sorry. I think he's an awesome coach, right? But I think here, here's the kind of issue, right? I think a lot of athletes and even a lot of coaches, right, when they get introduced to some really, really good technical stuff, and I think Mike Lorick is, like I said, the best, right? You go and you get, you get like within a month, you get like a huge PR. You, you know what I mean? Right. And so there's that tricky thing. It's like, oh, okay, all this other stuff is not that important. I just have to figure out this technique, right? If I could plant better, if I could swing better, if I could, you know, pike over the bar, what, whatever. And, and here's the thing, you know, I, I remember one of my athletes, right? Uh, Dylan, he came up with this thing. He goes, people will believe anything if it means they don't have to work as hard. And, <laughs> yeah, he, and nice. here's the thing. If you really, like if someone sells you and it's not a hard sell, hey, you just have to pull vault for an hour and a half a day and figure out this technique and you'll jump higher. Don't worry about the squatting and the deadlift. Heck, deadlifting is going to break your back. Don't do that. And it's like, whoa, yep. deadlift is hard. Dude, you do a deadlift workout like, 
you know, last Monday I, I, and you know, and I don't train like my athletes do a lot. I do a lot more at volume and whatever, but like I, I did three forty five in deadlift for 10 reps last week. I was super pumped that if that's not a PR, it's like right there for me. And it was like, that's, that's a freaking grueling workout, you know? And I worked up to that. That was, I think my eighth set, you know, of 10. And it's like, you know, that doesn't feel refreshing, (laughs) You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you vault, Definitely you feel the great. Day after you, you're probably feeling that too. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And it's like now I've learned to to like as some people would say, like a guy like Jocko Willick. But it's like I've learned to love to suck. You know what I mean? Like I'll finish that workout and be like, yeah, I did that. I feel I feel very rewarded uh, that I went through that grueling workout. But it's like pole vaulting is fun. It's it's right. And so it's like if someone sells you on the fact that all you got to do is pole vault and figure out this technique a little bit better, it's like. Ugh, you mean I don't have to deadlift? I don't have to yeah, squat? Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a part of it. Now, here's something. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just I have to say, if I'm being honest, how many pole vault coaches out there have an extensive knowledge of strength and conditioning and have even yeah. done the workouts? No, it's rare. It's rare. It, it, it basically is like you want – you're looking for the coaches that have done it and maybe even still do it right like you know i i don't know about you but i feel like if i if i was to grab a pole and jump right now i, I would do pretty well i'd do okay yeah, yeah. you know huh? i'm sure you jump a lot more than i do but no I, well <laughs> so know? to be to be honest i i don't jump because i'm like so busy coaching i could because here's the thing dylan once you realize how important your body is right like you and i both know if we don't work out, like you, you're working out, man, right? So it's like, here's the thing: if oh, you yeah. went, if you went three months did did not a single workout, how good would your vault be? Probably crap. Yeah. So same <laughs> thing with me, and I, I have the body type like uh, Dylan. Like I look at pizza, I gain ten pounds. If I smell it, I I gain twenty. Right. So it's like <laughs> I I have to work hard to maintain my my physique, my strength numbers, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when I have like limited time, especially through indoor track, you know, it's like look, I may may only have an hour to work out. So you know what, and you know how it is. If you vault, that's going to take just an hour and a half, two hours. And is that going to help oh, yeah. keep, keep my body in shape? No. You know, minimal. No. It's movement, but it's minimal. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I, I give myself that hour to do the training. Now, when I do on the rare occasions pole vault, it still looks good. I may not be able to jump as high, but the skill is there. I would just have to start vaulting more to jump higher heights. But it's like right. that that's the thing. I think there's too many coaches that they don't have enough of an understanding about strength and conditioning, how the human body works. Like I, I talk about this all the time. I mean, Dylan, how many – I think this is one of the biggest errors a pole vault coach can make. You have a kid do a full approach practice at three times a week or more. There couldn't be a bigger mistake because you and I both yeah. know you, your CNS, your central nervous system needs 72 hours of recovery. It's like you want to know why your pole vaulter has shin splints. You want to know why your pole vaulter starts running through. You want to know why your pole vaulter is inconsistent. They'll go from a blow through on a small pole and then run through the next five pounds up. They're experiencing CNS fatigue. And, but it's yep. like you, like, but the thing is, like, CNS fatigue, that kind of sounds like magic, right? Like, if you don't have experience, if you've never felt CNS fatigue, if you've never felt the difference of giving yourself that 72 hours rest, you think it's ho- – I'm talking about hocus pocus. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And, and, and burnout is so real. 
Like it's people, people take that for granted. Like if you're, if you're, and, and people also mistake it for, oh, I'm just tired right now. I, 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 I can't stop moving. I just gotta, I just gotta get my mind right. Like, no, you are, your body is telling you to stop moving. Right. And people just take that for, for, you know, however they will. Like I could tell you firsthand, I've experienced burnout yeah. when I was training for the deck. Like when I was doing the decathlon, it's, it's a grueling process. And, and if anybody, 100%. you know, if any of your listeners are looking to go out and do the decathlon in college, I'll tell you, like, be ready for, you know, six hour practices every yeah. day. I mean, it's, it's no joke. You're, you're out there at the athletic training, you know, you're in, in the ATC room, you're doing your, your, you're getting rolled out, you're getting stim, you're getting heat, you're getting all this stuff before practice. You go out, you do your, your technical stuff for two hours, then you do your running workout for another 45 minutes to an hour, and then you go to the weight room, and then you do your two-hour workout, then you go back to the athletic training room, and you do an ice bath, and you roll out again, and you get all this stuff done. Finally, you're trying to find time to eat dinner, then you got to do homework. It is a full-time job. And if you don't have, if you don't have the mindset for it and the, the motivation to, to keep going, it'll break you down. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And, and something that you said earlier, I feel like, again, when you have public coaches that don't have a lot of experience with strength and condi- conditioning, they jump to that idea of like, if you're having a bad day, it's, oh, you're just being mental. You're just yeah, being yeah. mental. And it's like, get out of your, get out of your head. Yeah. And it's like, look, don't get me wrong. I think at some level, sometimes people do maybe quote unquote get mental, but let's, let's exhaust all the other options first, right? It's like, it's like, if you call an IT person, you're like, my computer's not working. The first thing they say is, is it plugged in? Right. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't take apart the computer and try to take the, the insides out. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. let, let's go through every option. It's like, your athletes running through too much? Are, are you having them do full approach practices too often? That's number one. You know what I mean? Like, cause if that, if you are, let, let's start there and then see how the athlete reacts to that. You know what I mean? Before yeah. we go to the mental part, you know, and then yep. when you're not properly strength and conditioning, I mean, you don't know. Maybe your athlete's getting slower. Maybe your athlete's yeah. getting faster, but like you don't know because you don't have data and you don't know why they're getting faster and stronger. Like, you know what I always thought was hysterical, Dylan, was a lot of, a lot of vaulters, whether they went to club or not, they would start PRing during spring track. And everybody went to, oh, well, they're getting more time, you know, pole vaulting at practice. No, 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 no. You know what happens? This is what I think. Indoor track is treated like a club at most high schools. Like they barely even meet for practice. Now, once they're in spring track, they actually have to go out on the track and do workouts. And these kids are more fit. And then they PR. You know, it's like these are things that people are not looking into. And I think when you don't have a strength and conditioning program, like, you know, you were talking about your programming before you're looking at it almost like a scientist would look through a microscope. You know, you're like, okay, are we doing enough volume? Are we doing too much volume? Are we getting enough explosive stuff in? Are we doing too much explosive stuff? You know what I mean? And you're trying to tinker. Like I, I always tell people the biggest, um, I guess issue I have with training over the years is like, you know, how do you fit plyos in? You know, because it's like when you're doing the weight stuff and then you're doing a full vault session. I mean, one thing that I thought about one day was like, I was like, you almost, it's hard to program, like, it's hard to program explosive stuff for pole vaulters because the practice itself is explosive. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So that's, 
one of the things that I do is when I'm when I'm training my vaulters, like on the day that we're not jumping, or I, I like to load up my plyos early in the week so right. that you can kind of get that out of the way, have your explosiveness, have your body kind of adjust to it, right? So I do right. my plyos on Mondays. I'll give them a quick circuit and then a, a speed day, you know, a quick mm-hmm. speed workout, and then that's it. That's it. Their, their their force production has been worked. Their their speed has been worked. And you know, in the plyo day, they're working on bounding, so they're working on the positions of essentially you're prepping them for a for a a pole vault or a long jump run. Right. And then and then the next day, maybe you maybe you take them through some short approach stuff. Right. 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 Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And and it's funny, like the way you just said it, you're like, you get it done on Monday. Like, and, and now, yeah. And now the rest of the week, you're not even hitting that up. And, and that's a good approach, you know? And even what you said then on Tuesday by coming in and doing short approach stuff, what people don't realize is like, I, I, I love comparing things to bench press because I feel like so many people know about the bench press. Like even if you're, you're a pole vault coach that's not familiar with strength and conditioning, you've probably bench pressed at some point of your life. I think it's just a rite of passage for males. Right. So, So. It's like, think about this, it's like that short approach, that's not you maxing out in the bench. That's like, if I, you know, I, I just let you bench the bar, you can do that all day. You know what I mean? So right. for a lot of, right. especially the better the athlete is, if you're only doing three laughs, four laughs, come on, man, you could do that all day, all day, especially yeah. if you keep the grips lower, the poles comfortable, it's not too stiff. You know, it's like all day you just work on technique it's a real good technical session you know what i mean and then you're not zapping the cns either you know um but i think so dylan i mean like when i originally asked that question you know do you think there's a gap there you know between the strength and conditioning world and the pole vault world specifically to me you know you said there is a gap to me i I sometimes see a big gap because I, i i can't tell you how often i've seen people who jump high and then when you start asking them about their strength and conditioning and you're like I, I, my jaw drops. I'm like, what you've jumped this high and, and you don't, you like barely spend time in the weight room. Yeah. You know, it, it, sometimes I wonder how high can people jump if they had legit strength and conditioning? Cause like you, you talked about the football player who's in the CFL right now that you've trained, you know, and, and taking his 40 from four, four to four, two. Here's the thing in the NFL, you know, in basketball, in baseball, there's so much money on the line that you can't afford to not strength and condition appropriately. Because it could make oh, yeah. or break your season. It could be the difference between you getting signed or getting cut. You know? Absolutely. And you know what else there is, too? It's, it's injury prevention. Like, if, oh. you're, if you're training in the weight room, you're, you're not only strengthening your muscles and getting stronger. You are building a base. You're, you're working those tiny muscles in your ankles. You're working the yeah. muscles in your shoulders. You're, you're learning how to stabilize. Like, I don't know. I don't know where you where you would put your box jumps in your in your strength conditioning program mm-hmm. or your plyo program. But like, if you're if you're doing box jumps in between your sets of power cleans, right? Right. You're working on your your proprioception. You're working on every single little detail. There's so much to it, and and injury prevention is such a big part of that. Yeah, I look again. I I think it's huge, and I I, I think so. You know, and. and I want to pivot to another topic in a second, but like, you know, I think, I think again, going back to, you know, when there's a problem in a field or an industry, you always have to go to the leadership. And I know for me at my club, if there's any issues, I'm like, it's my fault. I need to, I need to be a better coach. 
And I don't want people to listen to this and be like, well, Broncos saying that pole vault coaches, you know, don't know how to do strength and conditioning. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that do. But that might be an area that you're lagging behind because I know people love the pole vault and, and you can go down a pole vault rabbit hole and you could literally probably like, like if we went down a pole vault rabbit hole, we could probably argue about one little detail of technique for like three hours if we wanted to, you know? But the thing oh, yeah. is like, you have to start looking at other avenues. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Ferriss. He wrote the book, like the four hour work week. Oh, yeah. And one of the things yeah. that Tim Ferriss said that I love, he goes, listen, he goes, most of you are doing a great job on 80% and you're like so hyper-focused on the 20% that's not perfect when you should be looking into something else already. And it's like yeah. everybody's so like in the pole vault world consumed with, you know, the pole vault technique off the ground. And it's like 80% of what your kids are doing off the ground is probably right. Instead of trying to get that last 20%, why don't you focus on the other things that you're not even addressing? And I think if people are listening to this podcast, honestly, they have to start to realize like, yeah, you know what? I don't know if I have been addressing strength and conditioning enough. I don't know if I do have enough of a knowledge base, you know, and even me, like I'm always trying to improve my knowledge. I'm always, you know, like I'll talk with Calvin, who's he's like really deep into the strength and conditioning world. He He's actually working with Joe DeFranco right now. And, you know, we're nice. always, yeah, yeah. And we're always discussing ideas and theories, philosophies. How can we get the kids better? What What is something we need to add? I mean, it was, <laughs> Calvin was so funny. Like there was one day in the summer where I was just like, I was looking at some of the kids and the way they move and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? These guys right here, more calf raises. They just, they have underdeveloped calves. They're not, like, I, I don't see the ankle doing anything when they run. You know what I mean? They're, they're a little bit yeah. like clanking on the ground. I'm like, they need to do calf raises, you know? And yeah. Calvin walks up to me. He goes like, dude, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, um, Cam Joss, who I've had on the podcast too. He, he trained with Joe DeFranco and now he's at UNC, uh, Chapel Hill as a strength and conditioning coach. He's like, dude, you see things and you just figure it out. He goes, Cam was like reading studies and this and that. And he's like, yeah, people need more calf stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just like looking at how their bodies are working, you know? Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. When you have enough experience, you just, you just see, you see the, the biomechanics differently than, right. than the untrained eye, right? Like right. you can, I can look at a, I can look at a hundred meter sprinter and say like, you know, he could run a 10, a 10 flat. Right. Even. And I could probably tell you something he, he's either working on or should be working on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred you know? percent. Nobody, nobody's perfect, and there's always room for improvement. Yeah. So. No, you know, I hundred. It's just the eye. It's being able to spot it. I know, and so like, and and this is the thing. To, and I'm going to add this too. I I don't think that cur- if you are a coach currently, I don't think you have to be pole vaulting right now. I don't think you have to be like, you know, squatting your brains out right now. But if you don't have that experience, somewhat. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard. Like, how are you going to tell a kid? Like, cause it, it, it's, it's going to be scary. You go, let, let's say you've never really squatted or deadlifted. And now, you know, you watch some videos, you watch some tutorials, but you don't really deadlift yourself. Right. And now you take a kid over to the barbell and you're going to teach them how to deadlift. Right. If they say it hurts or it doesn't feel comfortable, right. You're going to be shitting your pants. You're going to be like, yeah, let's just stop. You yeah. know? 
So it's like unless you put yourself through it and no, 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 I know you're just you're just getting a little bit of blood flow into your lower back. You know, your lower back muscles are working. You probably never felt that before. And you can like watch and know that they're in a good position so they'll be fine and it's light enough weight, right? Like like we always like at the club, like the first way we introduce the deadlift to people is with like a kettlebell. And it'll be really lightweight. You know what I mean? Like if the athlete weighs 150 pounds, they might start with just a 50-pound kettlebell. And, you know, they'll learn how to deadlift through that. And we full well know, like, even if they're in a bad position for a rep, it's like it's such lightweight, they're not going to get hurt. And two, they'll learn the movement. And then once they've shown us – in a couple weeks that they have the movement down, then we'll maybe eventually introduce the barbell or the trap bar, you know? And so it's like, but it's like, unless you go through that process somewhat yourself, you know, it's like, how, I, I don't know how you would guide someone. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. And what, you know, when you were saying all that, what brought, I brought my, uh, I was reminded like, so I did the USAW, mm-hmm. um, at, you know, I did it in a, in a gym in Hoboken okay. and it's, it's power clean snatches and jerks. Mm-hmm. And what they did with us was, you know, they put us through a workout. They put us through an entire progression and it was dead. Like it, it we were the, the next day we were dead. We were right. so sore. So right. like we were put through a workout. We were put through how to teach the progression. They put us through what we're supposed to feel and what, what, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And that I think made me a better coach. I was able to then carry that over to my clients and teach them a proper power clean. Right. And that's so important. Yeah. I, I, I think it is huge. And, and so, and now to get to the last topic that I wanted to go to, but it's a great pivot point. If you're one of those coaches that are not super familiar, you know, with, with some of the strength and conditioning stuff and some of the workouts, I think now is no better time. You're at home. Oh, absolutely. Take yourself through some workouts. You know, whether you, you go on Dylan's website, maybe even hit up Dylan. I'm sure you, you would love someone to hit you up, you know, um, or, you, you know, you hit us up at Apex or just check out the YouTube video we put up or there's a plethora of videos out where people have put out in the last couple of days of at-home workouts. Try some of this stuff out. Get yourself in better shape. Feel what it feels like to go through these workouts. You know what I mean? And so that way you are better prepared to help your athletes, you know? And I, I, I think if you do that and you put yourself through some of this grueling stuff, like just kind of for fun, cause we're all cooped up. I, I think today I'm going to post Dylan. I, I was doing this with uh, one of my nephews the other day. We did like a, you know, the wall sits where you just yeah. lean up against the wall. I did a competition with my nephew. He's five years old, you know? And I was like, okay, let's see who could do the longest uh, wall sit. So I just, I tied with him to be nice. Um, I definitely could have crushed him, bro. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course. But, <laughs> but like, I'm, I think I'm going to do like a wall sit, uh, uh, you know, competition and, and just be like, hey guys, like post, your, you know, your wall sit results and a little bit of the video or whatever and, and tag yeah, us, yeah. you know? So all our clients can kind of do something fun at home and we're still competing in some way and having fun, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah. so it's like, you know, doing stuff like that and putting yourself through that. It's like, I'm sure for that guy who coaches, who maybe doesn't do strength conditioning, even something simple like that wall sit, dude, I'm telling you, like 
You start doing the wall sit, I'm sure if you haven't been doing strength and conditioning, you're going to be 30 seconds in and be like, shit, how the hell do these yeah, high school like, kids like do? going to start shaking. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be like, how the hell is someone hitting two, three minutes? You know what I mean? And yeah. and then if you can get yourself into shape during this time and start to be able to accomplish some of these like little things, you know, little things. If you Listen, if you're a coach out there and you can't do a body weight pull-up, maybe that's a good goal. Figure out how you could do a yeah. pull up by the end. If 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 you're uh, if you can't do a strict push up, work up. Do do them off your knees or do them leaning against something. You know, at first, work your way up so you can do strict push ups. You know, if you can yeah. hit some of these little goals as a coach, now you're gonna have a better understanding. It's like okay, like this is what it's like. This is what I got to go through to improve myself physically. And if my athletes can improve themselves physically, they can then you know jump higher. Um, exactly. That being said, exactly. working out at home, Dylan, what are some of the things that you're figuring out in these last couple of days? Or what are some things that you're like, oh my God, I haven't been doing this enough or whatever? You know, what, what have you find, have found to be maybe uh, difficult or something you have to remind yourself of? Well, you know, some of the, some of the easiest exercises that you could do at home would mm-hmm. be obviously push-ups, core work. And pull-ups if you have a, an iron gym or a, or a doorway yeah. bar, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is all bodyweight stuff. Everything that you can handle. And if you're, like you said, if you're lucky enough to have a full gym at home, then, then that's great. Like, you know, nothing changes for you. But for the for the vast majority, there we, we need to think outside the box and try to figure out different ways to challenge ourselves and, and not get stagnant and kind of fall into this weird, like, okay, I did 50 push-ups today. My workout's over. Right. You know, so, so for me, I'm, I'm trying to do these different, you know, I'm, I'm doing rep challenges. I think, I think yesterday I posted a, a workout. I, I called it a 500 rep challenge, right? So you're okay. doing five, you're doing a hundred pull-ups or a hundred push-ups, a hundred burpees. And I got a lot of DMs saying, what? A hundred burpees? Are you kidding me? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was awesome. But, uh, you know, you're, you're just doing things that are going to challenge you, but it's stuff that you already know. I mean, it's right. You know, simple stuff like that, but, you know, from an athletic perspective, I mean, what's what does every every athlete need? They need to have a strong core. They need to be able to, uh, you know, if they could do pull-ups, that's great. You know, get as many as you can. Do, you know, what I like to do with my pull-ups is, you know, I say I try to get ninety or ninety in three reps, or a hundred a hundred pull-ups in three reps. So I go crazy. Like I try to do a a set of forty. You know, try to knock it out. But okay, challenge yourself in that way. You know, try to get different ways of doing the same exercises right you know one of the, the other day i took a i took a paper plate and i used it as a glider you know yeah i, I saw your slider push-ups that, that you posted yeah yeah so like just different different things like that it's really all we can do right now unless yeah. you know with with the facetime and the skype training sessions i, I can put everybody through a circuit no problem with, yeah. with just nothing you know i right. can give you no no equipment i'll get i'll put you through a workout but you know, that's the, that's the time we're living in right now. Yeah. The, the things that I wanted to mention is like, dude, I, I feel like, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, like you don't realize how active you are when you're do- doing your normal everyday life. Like I, I was telling you, it's like when I coach, I'm almost manic. I'm, I'm crossing the runway constantly. I'm going through yep. the drills that the kids are trying to show them, you know, I'm bouncing around. And so it's like, one, I'm not as hungry as I normally am. So I'm like almost like getting a little bit more like, okay, like I, I got to make sure I just at least hit enough protein, you know, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, then the other thing is like, you know, it's like with water, you know, it's like 
dude, I, I, w- I went to the grocery store yesterday and there still wasn't a lot of water. And it's like, you know, it's like you're trying to conserve water, you know? And so it's like, I, dude, I'm just drinking tap water during my workouts to make sure I drink enough water. Cause it's like, I'm like, I'm definitely dehydrated. I'm not drinking as yep. much water as I, I have been because you're, we're all in this like conservation mode. It's like, Oh, we got to save, we got to save. You don't want to, you know, but yep. it's like, I think there's certain things like that where like, look, if you're lucky enough that you have good tap water, cause I'm sure there's some people out there that live in an area where like you should not drink the tap water, but like you got to start yep. drinking the tap water and just make sure that you're drinking enough water. And I, I would definitely tell people is like, make sure you're getting enough protein in the day, you know, um, yep. some way, somehow. I mean, you know, I've been even like eating more Greek yogurt cause it's got protein in it where, yep. you know, for the last, I don't know, year and a half, like I, I've been getting my protein through meat, you know, and protein shakes. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, well, I'm not going to sit down and eat a pound of meat now. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, I feel like it's a I little know. bit selfish right now, you know? Um, yeah, yesterday, yesterday I went to the store and I got frozen fruits and I got yogurt and I got all this different stuff and I made, was making smoothies yesterday. Right. I never make a smoothie. Right. But just makes you think about like what you can, what you can get in, what you can conserve and what, what's going to be good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think just keeping those things in mind during this time is, is, is huge. Um, Dylan, was there anything else that you wanted to go over? By, by the way, this is awesome podcast. Uh, Really loved it. I think a lot of people are going to get stuff out of it. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, No, the only other thing that I can think of, and at least for athletes that they can do right now, Mm -hmm. is uh, stretch. It's the easiest thing you can do at home. Yeah. You know, just do a lot of stretching, get yourself, and and just think, think about wellness, right? Like mindfulness. Do, in this crazy time, this is a weird time in our lives, just, you know, if, if, if people are, have ever meditated before, just close your eyes for five minutes and just kind of get inside your own head. Just think about what's going on with you. Right. You know, body awareness and all that good stuff. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm relatively new to that realm of, you know, I started doing yoga in, uh, in January, but okay. it's just mindfulness is so important, especially in a time like this. No, a hundred percent. Cause you know, when you're watching the news and then, you know, you, you start to go to Instagram or something, you start hearing conspiracy theories and you start driving yourself crazy. You know, it's like, it's, it's good to just sit for a minute and just be in your own space. I I think that's great, great advice. Um, Dylan, if somebody wants to follow you on Instagram or connect with you somehow, what are are the best ways to, to reach out? Yeah, you can, um, you can follow me on, uh, it's strength speed plus. So, Okay. All one word on Instagram. Uh, you can you can also go to the website at strengthspeedplus.com. And, uh, yeah, you hit me up. You DM me anytime. I can uh, set you guys up or send you links to, to workouts, whatever you guys need. And, and especially, too, once the club opens up, I'm coming by. I'm going to come. Uh, yeah. that I, I know. Jumping in. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while. So I, I'm, I'm going to love having you stop by, man. You, I, I think you're going to love the place. Um, so that'll be yeah, super, be awesome. super awesome. Um, for everybody out there listening, thanks for listening. Obviously follow us on at the real apex vaulting on Instagram. Uh, we have apex vaulting on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. And if you have any questions, comments, you need help any way we can help you, uh, just email me at apex at gmail.com. And thanks for listening, everybody.